we're continuing in this series that we're calling Foundations, Built to Last. And we're looking at passages from First and Second Timothy, what are known as the pastoral epistles. And these are letters in which uh, the Apostle Paul was writing to, to, to Timothy, a young pastor, one who had been with Paul, traveled with Paul, knew Paul, Paul knew about him. And these are words of encouragement that Paul wants to give to Timothy as he is seeking to lead uh, the church that he is pastoring. Michelle Knight preached for us last week and she reminded us or made us aware that especially in 2 Timothy, we're listening to some of the last words that Paul would write, uh, what we might think of as a last testament of sorts. And, and, and not only is he urging Timothy to some very specific actions and beliefs, but, but urging the church through Timothy and how important it is for us to as we would with anyone speaking their last words, to, to lean in and to listen attentively and to be ready to respond to the words as we, as we hear them. So would you stand with me? I want to read to you this morning from 2 Timothy chapter 2. If you have a Bible or you can grab the one in front of you, you can look there with me. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 8 through 15. It'll also be up on the screen here for you. And uh, you can follow along as I read 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. Always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. And because I preach this good news, I'm suffering and have been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be chained. Isn't that great news? So I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with Him, we will also live with Him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will deny us. If we are faithful, unfaithful, He remains faithful. For he cannot deny who he is. So remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless and they can ruin those who hear them. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of God truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Well, I'm fascinated um, by, all the, <clears throat> by all the techniques and um, uh, just practices that people are using to stay disciplined and keep motivated these days. And uh, there are all sorts of tricks and tips and tools that we use that, uh, that, that keep ourselves going. How many of you have an app or two on your phone that are helping you to do something daily or at least routinely that you had not been able to necessarily do routinely in the past? Anybody like that other than me? All right. Yeah, it's just amazing. Um, the, what, how did we ever live without these phones? Actually, we did pretty well. We did, we did just fine, didn't we, Ken? Um, 
But I, I was reminded of a, I had an app on here um, on my phone that was helping me to do some, some physical stretching uh, every, every morning. And, and I, had, I, just, I had this a couple years ago, and I had never really done much stretching in, in my life. I had never really evidently felt the need for that, but just in recent years, <laughs> apparently, uh, I'm just needing that more and more, and so I had found this app that would lead me through sort of a guided routine of, of stretches every morning, and I was really enjoying that app, and it just seemed to be that. I just looked forward to hearing the person's voice on the app, and just, we were like buddies, you know, just partners in this endeavor, and I just couldn't wait to hang out with him every morning for 10 minutes, and and so we would, we would get this, we, no, it's just me, it was, I would get my stretching going, it was going really well, and, and that went on for about a year. And then, and then you know what happened, right? Evidently the app had gotten so popular that it decided to, to, to take what had been the free, the basic p- portion of the app and begin to charge for it. And they were just going to charge $1 for that first year for the basic part, but I knew that I would forget to, to not re-register or to, or to quit it after that year, and they would jack it up to like $50 a year. So, so I, had to, I had to just delete the app and get rid of it. And, and right along with the app, I pretty much deleted stretching from my life as well. It was crazy. And uh, that went on for a while. And then actually, that went on for probably about a year. And then after a year, I realized that I could count out loud just as well as the guy on the app. And uh, so I, I got back into it. So that's been, that's been good. But, but uh, you know, just, there's just all these sorts of apps and things. I still, I still have my free RunKeeper app. Uh, any any RunKeeper fans in the room? Yeah, I just, I get, to, I, mean, I, get to, I get to see how fast I'm going or slow. Uh, I, I get to see how far I've run uh, on a day and, and throughout a week. In fact, they send me little little rewards. Send me, it just comes right to my phone. It's like, you just set an eighth best record. <laughs> oh, so, this is so good. I think you're an eighth of my own personal times. Uh, they just know how to do it. And uh, I just got one called, called Toggle. I don't know if anyone's familiar with this. This is supposed to help me manage my time a little bit better, and we'll see how that works. I haven't managed to find the time to use it very well yet. <laughs> So I'm not, uh, you know, holding them out too, many, too much hope for that. Um, for others, it's, maybe it's something else that motivates you. Maybe it's not a voice talking to you from your phone. Maybe it's music that you like to listen to. Certain songs just get you pumped up and, and ready to go. Or maybe it's a podcast or a special speaker or writer. My wife, the uh, elementary school teacher in our family, she still likes sticker charts. Anybody else in this room keep sticker charts? Yeah, they're all over in that room. Uh, but, but she loves, you know, just, just putting up that sticker on the chart, showing that she's, you know, she stuck with her commitment and she was able to, to carry it out for another day. Maybe for other, other of us, you, you get motivated just by knowing, hey, I got a goal in mind and I am going to get there. And, and I, my eyes are on the prize, right? Some of you are like that. As you know that you've got a goal out in front of you. You're, gonna, you're just going to pursue it and nothing's going to get in your way. Other people among us <clears throat> are actually motivated by knowing, are motivated to keep going in, in, in a certain direction by, by knowing what will happen, how bad things can get. 
because we've been there, if, if we don't. And so it's sort of a negative motivation that keeps us moving forward. Um, whatever our pursuit, here's the point I want to make. We know that in order to succeed, we're going to need a plan. We're going to need some intentional practices that are in place that will help us to persevere when we feel like giving up. We're going we're gonna to need some practice. We're going to need something to hold on, some handles to hold on to when we feel ourselves slipping and uh, falling, falling away. It's obviously true not only for exercise or for diet or for time management, but it's also true for us in our lives of faith. If we're going to continue to take next steps in our walk with Jesus, if we're going to endure some of the difficulties, some of the challenges that may come our way as a result of our decision to follow Him, then we're going to need to have some strategies in place that are going to help us keep on track. They're going to help us keep moving in, in the right direction, keep our eyes on the prize. So that's what, that's what Paul's writing about here in 2 Timothy today. He's writing to Timothy as, again, a, a spiritual father to a, a, a young friend. He's writing to motivate him and to give him some tools and to, to encourage him to stay on track, to, to endure, to, to, to faithfully persevere. And he wants to give him some, some strategies that will equip him for all that God has called him to do. And, and, to, and, and, and he wants to invite him, Paul inviting Timothy, to remain focused on that which is of primary importance. And what we hear primarily in the verses that we read are, is, is Paul suggesting to Timothy and to really all the people of God that the way forward will come through reflection on the past. The way forward will come through remembering and through reminding others of the faithfulness of God. There's great power in remembering. Some of you uh, are like, yeah, and there's great problems in not remembering. <laughs> We've all forgotten certain very important things and it's been problematic. So this is, the reverse is true. When we remember things, there's there's great power in, in, in bringing to mind the things of the past so that we might move forward in, in new ways. A little tidbit I heard just yesterday this, uh, about a, a, a crow, the big black bird. Are you familiar? Um, I, I just heard this yesterday. I wasn't even thinking about this in relation, but it just kind of connected. A, a crow, just so you know this, a crow has the ability to remember faces for two and a half years. Just, I don't, I don't know why I want to tell you that. I, just there's power in memory. But I think it was this, because I thought about some crows that I have like not been real uh, kind to. I like, I'm not real mean, mean, but they always land on the church here and I'll walk, they'll be prancing around in my office and I'll walk out and be like, guys, get off. And I just imagine that this, even if it's like two or three of them, they go like this. And they lock in on my face. And then they go to their other crow buddies and they're like, this guy, this guy. And I got the whole world of crows upset with me. I, there's just, 
There's power in memory, right? They're in remembering. I don't want those guys to remember me, but they, they probably are. There's other better memories. There's better ways of remembering, though, that I really wanted to tell you about. There are, there are wedding days that we remember. And actually, Kyla was down visiting our daughter in San Diego at Point Loma yesterday, and they went down to, to uh, Seaport Village just to kind of hang out for a couple hours. And as, as we were talking to them on the phone while they were there, it kind of was like, we're at Seaport Village. I said, ah, oh, that was where we went on our first date. Very just warm. Not, not a single ooh or ah. Or, yeah, thanks. All right. Um, so, I mean, we just remember these places or remember these days. And, and when we do so... To, so that we might move forward and, and kind of think about how our relationships might be healthy and vibrant. We remember people from our past, right? So we remember mentors and friends that have come before us. I got a text this week from Scott Weber, another uh, former attender member of our church. And Scott was at a men's retreat. They live up in Washington, he and Kelly now, and, uh, and Washington State. And he was at a men's retreat, and he said, I'm hanging out at a men's retreat with one of your old friends, Pastor Tom Shaw who's speaking this week. And I was like, ah, oh, Tom Shaw, he was the pastor of the church where I did an internship after my freshman year in college. He, he was my first boss as in, in the church and, and put up with me and was so kind to me and mentored me and taught me so much just in a few short months of that inter- internship. So remembering my experience with Tom have kind of brought, you know, move forward now into how I'm living and, and operating in the world. Remembering is an important theme throughout Scripture. Paul writes of it here, but, but throughout Scripture this has been important. Even in the Old Testament times, especially in the Old Testament times, the great Jewish festivals were often those that would help to bring to mind the ways that God had been faithful to, to His people in days gone by. I want you just to just, to, just turn to a neighbor for 30 seconds. I, I know some of you love it when I do this and some of you hate it, but I'm going to make you do it again anyway. Just turn to someone. Talk about a powerful memory from your past, good or bad, that has had impacted you and your future and the way you live today. All right? Maybe it was a person that you remember from the past. Maybe it was a particular event. Maybe it was something that God did, some faithful act on God's behalf. And be, as you remember it, it impacts the way that you live your life today. Ready? Go. All right. All right. Hopefully you got to the other person. Hopefully one person has been talking that whole time. Um, powerful memory. It's, it's so important. I mean, we, we talk about this, right? That, that you're... Your windshield is a lot bigger than your rear view mirror. And so we're, we're to live as forward-facing, moving people, without a doubt. But, but, but that rear view mirror is, mirror is there for a, a purpose, to be able to look back and to learn and to, and to be able to grow and to move forward and to remember those things that have given shape to our lives in such a way that... that, uh, that that we would celebrate that and remember. Paul has already in this letter, I just want to maybe look back at a few things to set our context really well. He has already in this letter uh, been urging Timothy to remember and to learn about faithful living from a variety of people and a number of different examples. To begin with, Paul had offered himself as an example 
to, to Timothy as to how he might endure and to how he might suffer for the good news. Look, look there at, uh, I think this is 1.8, chapter 1.8. So never be ashamed of, to tell others about our Lord, Paul writing. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. Here's Paul offering himself as an example, inviting Timothy to join him in that. Paul had also referred to other believers. And, and in just the verses previous to what we read, he, call, he actually called out three believers by name. And uh, I don't, sometimes it's really good to get called out by, by the Apostle Paul, by the way, as you'll see. And other times it's not so good. But look at this. Um, there in, in 1, 15 and 17, he's writing again. And he says, as you know, everyone from the province of Asia has deserted me, even Phygelus and Hermogenes. I mean, just... You don't hear a lot of Phygelus and Hermogenes names being used anymore, right? Because they're people who deserted the Apostle Paul. I mean, that's not what you want to be remembered for, right? May the Lord show special kindness to Onesiphorus and all his family because he often visited and encouraged me. He was never ashamed of me because I was in chains. When he came to Rome, he searched everywhere until he found me. So don't be like Phygelus and Hermogenes, thank you, but be like Onesiphorus. All right, that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the word that Paul wants to say to Timothy. Don't, don't be like these people who deserted me. But faithful living is to, is to lean into the, the people of God and to support and to, to cherish and to be a part of, of this beautiful community of faith. And then he, he uh, finally looks there in chapter 2, verses 4 and 6. He gives some examples to Timothy of some really just some common people who practice a single-minded commitment, discipline, and hard work as a pattern that Timothy should follow. Just read this with me, would you? Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Soldiers, the athletes, the farmers, here's the examples. All of these examples, these three and the, the, the church people and Paul himself are geared to, to help Timothy. This is what Paul wants to do. Here's people, here's examples, here's ones you can learn from and not learn from. How to, how to press on in faith, how to hold on in the face of suffering, how to endure persecution. But here's the thing, even with these with these wonderful examples in place, Paul makes it clear in 2.8 there that ultimately there's one whose remembrance is more critical for the faithful than any other. Read this with me. Really, everybody out loud. Ready? Let's go. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. And you can just leave that up, Dane. Remember Jesus Christ. All these other, remember me, Paul says. Remember Onesiphorus. Remember the, the soldiers and the farm, athletes and the farmers. But above all, if you're going to seek to live a life of faithful endurance and perseverance in, in Christian living and following all that God would have for you and responding to God's call in your life, then remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead descended from David. For any believer facing pressure, any disciple 
enduring suffering. It is remembering Jesus and all that God has done for us through Him. That will be the key to finding one's way forward, the foundation, as we've been saying over these weeks, the foundation upon which to build one's life. Paul says there's two things in particular that are to be remembered of Jesus. You can't miss them there, really. We're to remember Jesus, first of all, raised from the dead. It's not Easter, friends, but we celebrate Easter year-round in the church of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus, the foundation of all that we are and all that we believe as followers of Jesus, it's the central teaching of the Christian faith, the defining basis for all of Christian hope. You take it away and we're just a nice club, friends. We're just a good, friendly group of people. You you put it in and we're a movement. We're a a mission. We're We're a dynamic life giving and life-living body of believers. And its impact is far-reaching in the lives of believers, especially those going through difficult circumstances. So when he says, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, when we remember Jesus raised from the dead, we remember the, the mighty power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. The, the mighty power of God that, that gave new life to this dead body. We, we remember the, the God victorious over sin and death, and, and we know that this same power that raised Jesus from the dead, when we remember Jesus, Jesus raised from the dead, we remember that the same power that raised Him from the dead is the same power that can give us new life. New life both now and forever. We remember this power that's available to us. And, and, and when we think about Jesus' resurrection, we can then live with new confidence. We can live with new strength. We can live with new hope because we know that that same power is, is available to us. When we remember Jesus raised from the dead, we remember the promise that because He lives, we too will live. We can not only face tomorrow, but we can face the next day and the next day, and we can face all of eternity, that because He lives, we can have have life both now and forevermore. That's a wonderful promise for us to hold on to, that this this life and our death will not have the final say over us. God has the final say. The risen Lord Jesus has the final say, and He says, Life. When we remember Jesus raised from the dead, we very practically remember this, that the one who rose from the dead is still very much alive. I don't know if we think about that as much as we ought to, but the one who was raised, who was raised, Jesus, did not at some later point die. He was raised to live forever. And we believe that this risen and alive Lord Jesus is, is somehow, as only Jesus can do, ascended to the Father and interceding on our behalf and at the same time is very present with us through the ministry of His Holy Spirit 
that he is alive today. And for Christians like you and me and many of us who are seeking to follow Jesus, to know that he is alive, <clears throat> he's not a relic, he's not just someone that was, he is someone that is and forever will be, should be of great motivation and inspiration and encouragement to us. We remember Jesus raised from the dead, and we remember Jesus descended from David, and this is a little bit fuzzier to understand completely what all Paul wanted to suggest by, by saying this, but, but for sure we can know that, that this Jesus that we remember is this, the descendant of King David, that he is one in the line of kings, that he is the promised Messiah, the one who is fully human and fully divine, the one and only king over all that is, over all the emperors and so-called rulers of the earth, that he was part of God's plan from the very start, that this descendant of David came to set his people free. I thought of the words to the chorus that we sing, what a beautiful name, I'm not going to sing it for you. But uh, the, just, just let me read them, because maybe sometimes when we sing them, we don't always hear them, but listen to the truth that this song says, and I, I believe it just captures this whole idea. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David, death could not hold you. The veil tore before you, you silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, for you are raised to life again. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, our God reigns. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. Amen. Uh, the, the word that Paul uses here too when he speaks to Timothy, always remember, it's, it's Interestingly, it's in the present tense. The verb is in the present tense, which suggests a continual sense. In other words, he doesn't just say, remember Jesus. He says, keep on remembering Jesus. Very, very important for us. Keep on remembering Jesus, raised from the dead, descended from Devin, from, from, Devin, from David. Um, let this truth resonate in your heart. Don't let it be just a once a year Thing. When I saw this text in the lectionary that I got to, to, to give attention to this week, I was like, sweet, Easter in October. I mean, we just need it, friends. We need to, we need to keep on remembering Jesus, raised from the dead, descended from David. Not a momentary recall, but a persistent and formative and consistent recollection. What if we were to wake up every morning and just say, I remember Jesus, and not just because I need this today, and not just because I'm thinking about that, but I remember Jesus, that he is alive. I remember Jesus, that he has conquered sin and death, and in him I too can have that same victory. How, how might that affect if we thought about that on a daily basis, if we thought about that maybe even a couple of times a day, if there were prayers that we could institute into the, the routine and, and patterns of our lives that would help us to remember the resurrected Jesus, how might that form us and shape our thinking in new 
and fresh ways. Jesus could not be confined by death, and so the good news about him cannot be confined by persecution or by shame or any other trap. This is a past event, but it has continuing consequences. He is alive forevermore. Paul writes about it there in verses 11 to 13. Uh, A trustworthy saying. He says it a few times here in the pastoral epistles. And again, I just love it when he says this because I'm like, I don't have to wonder if this is a good part that I should pay attention to in the scriptures. It's a trustworthy saying. I suggest strongly that we listen in when we get a very clear uh, note like that from the writer. Here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, We will also live with Him. Here are the implications, the outcomes of the resurrection. When we remember Jesus, we remember this reality that if we die with Him, we will live with Him. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. Amen. If we disown Him, He will also disown us. This is a a reality of the resurrection. It's a dividing line. It really is. And, and, and those who, who believe and accept by faith the reality of the resurrection and put their faith in the risen Lord Jesus will be those who are following after Him. And those who disown that or step away or push away from that reality are those that the Scriptures say will be disowned by Jesus. It's not a, it sounds harsh at some levels, but it's just sort of the reality of the choices that are that are sort of put before us as we come up against the reality of the resurrection. But here's the one that just shocks us, right? If we're faithless, we expect it to say, uh, he, he will be faithless. But instead it says, if we're faithless, he remains faithful. And here's the beauty of that statement, right? Again, the resurrection shows that this God is for us, as we sang it before, He's not against us, that he's offered of himself fully in his son Jesus, that he's, that he's raised him, he's, he's demonstrated his full power, raising him from the dead. He is faithful in all he will do, and his promises are offered without regard to what we do with them. He just stays the same, this God. And it doesn't matter how often we push away or how often we turn our backs, he just keeps coming. He just keeps pursuing, and some of us maybe need to hear that this morning who have perhaps turned away or fallen away or walked away or done whatever our heart's desire has led us to do and be. And and in your faithlessness, God has remained faithful. He cannot disown Himself. It's just who He is. It's how God is is wired. (laughs) It's this foundational truth that Timothy and all of us are called to, to do, to remember. But, but not only to remember, to, to also remind, to remind others of this reality, remind others, to be a reminder of this beautiful and powerful truth, a, a risen Lord Jesus descended from David to all the people ar- around us. As I read that word reminder, it kind of struck me that there's at least two different kinds of reminders in this world. And I couldn't come up with any better names than this, so I'll just say it. There's a bad kind of reminder, and there's the good kind of reminder. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Kind of like the bad reminder? I won't use, you know, 
other words that we could throw in there. You can maybe think of them. But sometimes when we're reminded, I don't know, we'll just say it like this. Sometimes I am reminded to do things in such a way that it makes me feel like I'm a horrible person. Right? It makes me feel like I am so inadequate, like I've just failed time and time again. And that may be true. <laughs> but but, but if, if, if you want me to move in a new direction, then those kind of reminders, and I'm not just speaking for myself, I hope I'm speaking for most of us, those kind of reminders usually aren't the kind that, that are, that are, are going to move me in, in a, a new direction. They... They just make me feel bad about myself. And usually if I'm feeling bad about myself, then I'm just more prone to not do what you might. Right? Then there's these good reminders. And I get these from you. I get them from lots of different people. I probably get more good reminders than bad reminders because I feel like people, for the most part, care about me as a person. But um, the good reminders that just remind, that just are like, that kind of awaken you. They're just like, ah, I'm here for you and, and let's get this done, you know, or I'm here for you and I'm complete support, totally understand, but, but what about this? And, and instead of feeling bad about myself, I feel like, I feel like a better person. I'm like, ah, I want to do that. I messed up, but I can't wait to, to get after that for you and with you. And it's like certain reminders just crush us and other reminders just lift us up. Is anybody am I kind of making that up or... Are you with me? Kind of feel that way? I, I just, I, I thought about that. And, and we have the, the opportunity, Timothy had the opportunity with the church that he led, and we have the opportunity with one another and with other believers and with people in the world in which we live to be a good kind of reminder of the, of the beautiful and powerful gospel truths that Paul has spoken of, a, a Jesus, remembering a Jesus who was raised from the dead, descended from David, we have a great way, we have a great opportunity to be good reminders of that to the people around us. We can, we can do it by the words that we say. Um, uh, here's the thing, when we're talking about the resurrection, and when we're talking about the life that God gives us, this is a great time not to innovate. Okay, just, just let me throw that out there. The tomb is always empty. The stone has been rolled away. It's the same story over and over. Some of the different Gospels have different perspectives on it, so that might be kind of interesting to look at. But it's basically this Gospel message that has stayed the same for centuries now. Jesus crucified and raised from the dead to new life. Uh, so, so when we're sharing that, when we're speaking that witness, it's pretty simple. You don't have, you don't have to take a long evangelism class. You don't have to... You know, do a, a lot of training just to be one who would say, if asked or given an opportunity to share about what you believe, that I believe that Jesus was crucified for my, for my sins and for the sins of the world, and that he was raised from the dead. That, Jesus, that, that, that God the Father actually raised him up from the grave, from the dead, that he lives now and will live eternally. And because of that new life, I can have new life as well. I mean, it's, don't... You know, don't innovate. Don't make stuff up like I sometimes do when I'm up here. Um, but just, just speak, speak that beautiful truth. But then here's the other thing that, that I think is important to remember. Is it's not only, our testimony to the resurrection is not just by the words that we say, but it's by the, the lives that we, we live. Maybe some of the greatest ways that we can testify and witness to the truth of the resurrection is to be people who have 
who have stepped from death to life. People who are living in new ways because of the power of God that is at work within us, doing a new work in us. Perhaps some of the ways that we can best witness to the truth of the resurrection is to live in the face of of suffering or difficulty with, with hope and with confidence. Because we know that, that, that Jesus is moving us through this life and helping us to make a significant impact. And he's moving us on to life eternal. And that as he moves with us, moves us, he is with us. And he's helping us. And, and maybe there's ways that we could, can begin to demonstrate that even in the lives that we live. I have some pictures from our Fields of Faith, the FCA event from this last Wednesday, and many of you were able to be there, I know. But these were some of the the student testimonies, student athletes from Westmont and Santa Barbara High School who shared their testimonies and shared about what God has done in front of hundreds of people in their lives. And it was was a beautiful testimony to to the power of the resurrection. They shared about changes in their lives. They talked about the opportunities that they're having on the athletic field and in their classrooms and in their families to, to, to live out this different, changed, transformed life. They're witnesses to the resurrection. Go to the next slide. I don't remember all what I put up here. Here was the pastor Reno from South Coast Church. He shared a simple gospel message about the outrageous love of God, and he threw outrageous candy bars into the crowd, and it was great, and it was outrageous. And he shared a very simple message about the the depth of God's love for every person, and he invited people to respond to that that message. Go to the next one. Here was just a shot of all the, the people that had come, and if you didn't get a chance to go, I think they'll probably do it again next year. It's just a wonderful opportunity to gather together as the, the body of Christ in support of our, our youth and support of FCA, so just wanted to put that in here, but go to the next one. Yeah, so at the end, after Pastor Reno had given an invitation, there were, he, he just, I love this part because, oh, you know, he, it was a wonderful message, but at the end when he invited people to come forward, I think, I thought he was pretty clear, but, but it just, evidently it wasn't real, real clear as to what people were supposed to do because there was a bunch of FCA students down there kind of waiting to pray, and then there were other kids, there were, in fact, there were two girls sitting right in front of me who, as he was giving the invitation to come forward to invite Jesus into their lives, I saw, I'd kind of been watching them because I know one of them kind of, and I was looking at them, and I saw their heads just kind of look at each other and go, kind of give this nod to each other. And I'd been praying for them. I didn't know either of their spiritual realities, but I'd just been praying for them. I saw them look at each other and just kind of nod, and they got up and started to go forward. If you've been to San Marcos, you, you know there's a big like gate, like a fence right there, and you have to jump over, and it's kind of dangerous, as a matter of fact. So, you know, a good start to come to faith. It's an adventure. When you come to Jesus, you have to jump over stuff. But what they did, these two girls, they, they, in front of all these people, high school girls, you don't always do that kind of thing, do you, high school girls, like to get up and do that kind of thing in front of people. But they did, they got up, but it wasn't really clear, there wasn't an altar, there wasn't anything, so I loved it, they just, they just, they just walked right over to Reno. 
They stood right in front of him. <laughs> He's like, here we are. Help us find Jesus. And, uh, and he kind of helped them, and then somebody else came and kind of helped him, and they, they prayed together. And it was a wonderful witness to, the, to, the, to, to Jesus Christ, raised from the dead. Because here's, this, is what he, this is what he died, and this is what he came to life to make happen. In fact, I, I wrote to the uh, FCA staff an email the next day, and I just said, friends, great job last night. God was glorified. Coaches and athletes were encouraged, and people came to faith. Check, check, check. Amen and amen. Do I have one more picture? Oh, yeah. We had some of our wonderful students there as well, so I just had to put that one in there. Don't they look good? Um, you can take them down. Students and student leaders. Thank you, Becky and Michelle. Uh, this is what it looks like to be a reminder, to help others remember, learn for the first time about the truths of Jesus, truths that will help them when obstacles come their way, when, when suffering comes before us. And, and perhaps there are some uh, of us here this morning that just need to, just need to be reminded. It was Paul's charge to Timothy. I, I, kinda, I kind of accept it as a little bit of a charge personally to myself as a pastor. I know, I know we all do at some level, but just as a, as a, as a pastor this morning, I just kind of hear this word like directly to me. I just want to help you remember. I just want to help you remember Jesus. I just want to be a reminder to you and the words that I might say and the life that I might live of, of Jesus raised from the dead and descended from David. What Paul is inviting all of us to be are resurrection people, people of the resurrection. And he goes on to say, don't, don't be a distraction. Don't get caught up. I mean, the church evidently there that Timothy was pastoring liked to talk about all sorts of like disputable matters. They like to talk about speculative teaching. They like to, they like to think about, you know, different ways of interpreting this and that. And, and really what Paul's saying, just don't, just don't bother with it. Don't get bogged down. Don't get tripped up in kind of esoteric thinking that only impresses yourself. Just don't, just don't mess with it. Be someone of good conduct. See, be someone of great integrity and humility. Allow the scriptures just to penetrate your own heart and share them appropriately with others. Keep the truth of the gospel. Most importantly, keep the, the, the central teaching of the gospel, the resurrection of Jesus Christ at the center of all you do. And as we do that, as we remember this, I am confident that we will move forward in just the ways that God would have us to move. Let's pray together. Worship team, come on down here. Jesus, thank you so much that, uh, that you're one who is very memorable. But, but Lord, you know how easily distracted we can become and how full our lives can be and how we can wake up racing in the morning until our heads hit the pillow at night and our eyes 
shut as we just pass, pass out. God, you know how easy it is then for us to just to, to go a day or a couple days without even <clears throat> thinking about you, remembering you, Jesus. And, and in particular, we can, go, we can go days, maybe we can even go weeks without particularly thinking about the fact that you were raised from the dead. You're descended from David. You're the Messiah. You're the true king over all that is, the Lord of, of life, eternal. So, so just thank you for your gentle, loving reminders today. We want to live with you. We want to reign with you. We don't want to be disowned. We don't want to be faithless. We, we, want, to, we want to be yours. And so, so by your spirit, Lord, would you come alongside us, not only today, but in days to come, and would you make, would you, would you begin to form us and shape us more and more into, into, into people, being people of the resurrection, as where our minds are, are, are continually keeping on thinking about your resurrected life and all that means to us. I, I pray, God, maybe for some here this morning who are not necessarily being reminded, maybe they're being reminded, but maybe there's some even this morning who are hearing some of these truths for the first time. Maybe there's some people here for the first time who are hearing this whole idea about the fact of Jesus not only dying on the cross, but being raised to new life, and that because of that, we can not only be forgiven of our sins, but we can be transformed both in this life and for the next. And maybe there, were, there would be some this morning who would just simply want to say, I want that. Give me that. I, I want that. I want that life. And if there's some like that here this morning, God, I pray that you would just hear their, the prayer of their hearts, the invitation of their hearts for you to come and to be the Lord and the leader of their life even today and to give them new life. Lord Jesus, may we... May we live as powerful witnesses to this resurrection, not only with our words, but by our actions and by the way we carry ourselves winsomely, joyfully, confidently, knowing that the risen Lord is with us every step of the way. Uh, we worship you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for all that you've done and all that you are doing even now. And we pray it in your name. Amen.